0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. I would like to welcome you to episode 358 of the Impopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And here at the Impopular Podcast, I'm not really asking you to agree with me, I'm asking you to hear me out. So for the people that have been following, I've been doing a divisional breakdown of every division in the NFL before the regular season starts. The first game of the regular season is in about a week and a half. And last episode, I finally ventured over to the AFC and I talked about the AFC South. This episode I am going to probably I'm going to talk about probably the most interesting division in the NFL this year and that is the AFC East. The AFC East to me the the entire the entirety of the AFC East has been a team or two dominating and everyone else just following me in the line. For the longest it's been the the New England Patriots and Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and then everyone else just just falls in line usually is one really good team and all the other teams are are pretty much trash or mediocre at best that's what the history of the AFC East has been and until recently it there hasn't really been much there hasn't really been much common ground with all the teams. Well, this year to me is probably the most interesting year in the AFC East because almost every team has a case of why they could be the best team in the division or why they could win the division. And we haven't really seen that much at all, much if ever in the AFC East. Let's start with the team that made the most noise that that had the biggest splash this offseason, and that, of course, is the New York Jets. To talk about the Jets now, of course, you have to talk about the history of the Jets. You have to talk about the fact of the Jets haven't really been good, hasn't really been relevant since since Namath was wearing a a jersey. (laughs) Now, yes, I understand they had some Mark Sanchez years, and they went to the AFC Championship, I think, twice uh, with Mark Sanchez. But outside of that, they've been starving not only for competent football, but they've been starving for relevancy. And I've talked about this on several occasions and several other podcasts, so you can go check it out. But So I'm not going to go over the entire lineage of the Jets. But as we know, the biggest news, the biggest fish that uh, was caught this offseason was Aaron Rodgers leaving the Green Bay Packers to go to the Jets. And this move has been seismic. When you see something fall in the water, it never just falls and nothing happens. It's always uh, it falls and then there's a ripple effect. Aaron Rodgers... Going to the Jets was the drop, was the the item falling into the water, and now we're seeing the ripple effects. We're seeing the ripple effects with not just the AFC East, but with, you know, quarterbacks and teams ready to go for it now. And that is the theme of the AFC East, going for it now. Now, yes, there are some teams, and of course we'll talk about them when we get to them, that have time and have the ability to develop a little bit, hoping that in the future you'll have more of a shot. And, and don't get me wrong, every AFC East team, except for maybe one, but we'll talk about that, to me has a shot to win the AFC. But let me talk about this, this uh, Jets team. This Jets team is dr- drastically different than it was a year ago. But that's only because of the quarterback position. But as we know and as we've said and as we see in the NFL, you're really nothing without a competent quarterback. If your quarterback is not competent, if your quarterback is not a uh, top of the you know, upper echelon, you don't really have a shot in this league. Unless you just have a, a, a situation like the 49ers, which we talk about the 49ers a lot because that the 49ers are such an outlier in the, in the NFL. And what I mean by outlier is the 49ers' best player is not the quarterback. In fact, their best five players is not the quarterback position. Yet and still, year after year, they are always in the mix, in the running to play for a Super Bowl or to be in contention to be in a Super Bowl. So I say it's so much of an outlier because when you look at most of the Super Bowl winners or you look at most of the teams that— are viable for a Super Bowl or that are competing in a Super Bowl, they have a top-tier quarterback outside of the 49ers. Let's get back to the Jets. Last year, this Jets team had one major flaw, and that was their quarterback position. Having Zach Wilson and having Mike White, it, it just held this team back. Especially when you had a team that had Quentin Williams and that had uh, Brees Hall before he got here. And and to me, Brees Hall was the leading candidate for the Offensive Rookie of the Year. Now, it ultimately went to his teammate Garrett Wilson, who was on the wide receiver position. But they had those two dominant players. They had uh, Sauce Gardner, who won the Defensive Rookie of the Year on this team. This this team was littered and is littered with talent. And let me not say littered, because me, that kind of sounds like there isn't much around. This team is oozing with talent. And last year, it was oozing with talent, but it just it they couldn't get the quarterback position right. And you hear this a lot. You hear this a lot, especially when when we've talked about the Chargers for a while and the Colts. We talked about the Colts last episode. When 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 we talked about the Colts in the past, one thing that we've said, especially probably since Aaron Luck or Aaron, Andrew Luck uh retired, the sentiment around the Colts have been they are a quarterback away. And if they get that quarterback. They will be in prime position. They've had a uh, they've had really good teams throughout the years. They just have not had the quarterback position. I mean, they had Phil, uh, 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 Phillip Rivers, who was at the end of his career, a Matt Ryan, a Carson Wentz. It w- it was always if they had a quarterback, they could be viable or make some noise in the playoffs. Last year, the Jets were in the same boat. They had so many good pieces. It's just you can see. The 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 thing that was holding them back was the quarterback position, and now you bring in Aaron Rodgers, and you bring in Aaron Rodgers with a team that has Elijah Vera Tucker, that has C.J. Uzman, that has, like I said, Garrett Wilson, who won the rookie of the year, uh, offensive rookie of the year, who has Brees Hall. Now they added Dalvin Cook. Splash after splash after splash after splash. There isn't there isn't a position on this team that is lacking let me let me let me backtrack <laughs> let me backtrack there's only one position or one unit let me say that is lacking in this in this uh on this team and that is the offensive line outside of Elijah Vera Tucker they don't have much of a offensive line you can feel confident in that can take you far in the in the playoffs or that can take you far and make a deep super make a deep run they haven't had that for a while now you can't overcome bad coaching that's just it's it's almost impossible to overcome bad coaching because there's so many you know coaching units as a the head coach as an the offensive coordinator defensive coordinator specialty you cannot overcome bad coaching it doesn't matter how good you are that's that's one thing that makes the NFL different from the NBA you can overcome bad coaching in the NBA if you just have a star player and the star player and if you have a great team just a bad coach you're able to Circumvent the 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 in the in inequities of a bad coach because you have a star player. That's not the case in football. But what you can do is you can hide deficiencies in your team, and the biggest deficiency for this Jets team is their offensive line. The way to overcome a, a bad offensive line is to have a mobile quarterback, a quarterback that is able to get the ball out quickly so you have you know quick slants, quick plays that can just get the ball out of his hands. And have a, 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 an elusive running back. Well, <laughs> the problem with the Jets is Aaron Rodgers is not most of that. Let me say this: Aaron Rodgers will go down as one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play. One of the one of the talent, one of the most talented quarterbacks to ever put on pads. I understand that when people look at Aaron Rodgers in his career and you see the lack of winning, while, yes, he did win one Super Bowl, he's only been to one Super Bowl. And a person that that talented and a person that good, a player that good, you you wonder why he's only been to one. And he has four MVPs. So I understand those questions are there, and those questions are valid. Those concerns and are valid. But there is no com- there is no debate that Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest talents the quarterback position has ever seen. There also really shouldn't be a debate about how Aaron Rodgers is now and what Aaron Rodgers is now. Aaron Rodgers is not the most mobile quarterback. Be- I mean, he's, old, he's, he's a 40. He's not the most mobile quarterback. He's not the most elusive quarterback. And even at his height... He wasn't the most mobile or elusive what he is is his accuracy his his ball placement his the way that he's able to get the ball in his hands as quickly as he is and it has out effortless how effortlessly he's able to get the ball in his hands is almost second to none but elusive nah and you get Dalvin Brees Hall is a little more elusive than than Dalvin Cook, but to me, both of them are kind of the same sim type of back. They're both uh well yes, they can they can be elusive at times. They're both mostly a a north and south back. They 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 use their power, they use their force. Uh Brees Hall more than Dalvin Cook, but use their force to get to where they need to go. And with the offensive line having the issues or the concerns that it has, that to me is the glaring weakness of this team. With a team that has C.J. Mosley, a team that that has the pieces that they have, I think that a... a With the offensive line being how it is, that, to me, can, can definitely hold them back. Let me say this. There's a lot of expectation for the quarterback position. Or not just the quarterback. There's a lot of expectations for this Jets team. Some people have the Jets making it as far as the Super Bowl. Some people have the Jets winning the Super Bowl because like I said, going into this season and seeing the success that this team has had last year, you you think that with a major, not just a not just a a, a, a little you have a major upgrade at the quarterback position. you think that that is the thing that especially when you see the team that was last year, you think that, Bringing in Aaron Rodgers is the thing that puts this team over the top. A team that was this close of making it to a playoffs last year. I'll say this. I think that we should, and I, and I said this in past episodes, but I think that we really need to, or Jets fans, because I don't think everyone thinks this way, but Jets fans need to damper their expectations about this season. And most of that is because there's a lot of question. There's more question marks that you that are being overlooked, let's say, because of name. Because you hear Aaron Rodgers, because you hear Sauce Gardner, because you hear Quentin Williams, because you hear Delvin Cook, because you hear Garrett Wilson, because you hear Brees Hall, because you hear CJ C. Mosley, because you hear Elijah Vera Tucker, because you hear, you know, uh, Valdez, no, um, Alan Lazard because you hear some of these names you just automatically think oh that's talent after talent after talent after talent after talent which it is but as we've seen on several occasions it does sometimes just compiling a group of talent doesn't ultimately mean that your Super Bowl you're Super Bowl caliber. you a Super Bowl caliber team. There's a lot. I know a lot of people are are trying to compare this Jets team to the to the L.A. Rams team that won a Super Bowl with Matthew Stafford and Aaron Donald and Cooper Cooper Cup and Von Miller. And while yes, I do see similarities as ter- in terms of you compile this team for right now. Aaron Rodgers isn't getting any younger. Dalvin Cook, you just got him off free agency. A lot of these players, there are some, not a lot, but there are some players that are young that are older than than, and like like Randall Cobb, you know, there are players that are that are older than than the rest. And you don't expect, I don't expect four, five, six years of Aaron Rodgers. I don't expect four, five, six years of C.J. Mosley. I don't expect, and if they do play, because C.J. Mosley's been in the league for nine years, if they do play for four, five, six years, I don't expect them to be at their, at the apex, you know? And this team, they're kind of like the, um, kind of like the Colts that I talked about last year. You have a, the young part of this team, the Garrett Wilsons, the Brees Halls, the Sauce Gardeners, the Quentin Williams, then you have the older side of the team. Like I said, Aaron Rodgers and, and Randall Cobb and C.J. Mosley and C.J. Uh, C.J. Uzman. I just... I, there's, a, there's a question mark as to how this team is going to blend it. And the diff, one of the biggest differences that this jets team has that the that the or yeah one of the biggest differences between this jets team and the and the rams team is when you look at the rams competition the afc or nfc they didn't really have much competition outside of what the tampa bay buccaneers and um tom brady they had aaron rodgers in the in the green bay packers and they had uh the 49ers they didn't have much competition or let me say this the competition that the that the rams had does not or pales in comparison to the competition that the Jets are going through. Like I said, you have the Chiefs, you have the Bengals, you have uh, the the Bills in your own division. You have the pretty much your whole division. So that's that's a question mark. Another question mark is, of course, what Aaron Rodgers are we getting? We can get the Aaron Rodgers because right now we're when we talk about Aaron Rodgers, we talk about Aaron Rodgers, the name. And the history of the Aaron Rodgers. And a lot of people completely forget about last year. Last year Aaron Rodgers was not good. You can you can attest it to the injuries around him, but Aaron Rodgers wasn't that good. And the Green Bay Packers didn't even make the playoffs. So was that year more of an outlier year, seeing as though the year before he did win the MVP, or was that more, t- or was that what we should expect? What I'm saying is this: Oh, another another question mark is, of course, and I've and I've been talking about it is the offensive line. Is the offensive line can the offensive line hold long enough to? allow this team to flourish offensively there's a reason why majority of last week they were they were campaigning to get David who who is considered a very good offensive lineman David Bazziari, to come to the Jets or trying to make a deal happen to get David Bacciari to come to this team they need offensive line depth outside of Elijah Bear Tucker who's a very good guard they don't have much and, of course, the the coaching staff is a question mark. I don't think that anybody questions if Robert Sala is a good coach. I don't think that anybody questions if Nathaniel Hackett is a good coordinator. I think that we've all proven, or I think that he's proven without a shadow of a doubt that he is a better coordinator than he is a head coach. I think the question is, and, and if Robert Sala wins he would probably be the first coach since Bill Belichick to be a defensive-oriented or defensive-minded head coach to win a Super Bowl. Because when you look at the past Super Bowl, you have Sean McVay, you have Andy Reid, you have um, Doug McDermott. Like Those are offensive-minded coaches. So I think that... To me, the ceiling for this team is of course a Super Bowl. That is the ceiling when you have the when you look at when you couple the new acquisitions that come in and the success of last year, I think that the ceiling is of course a Super Bowl. I I would say this To me, they're closer to how do i say let me give you a realistic expectation for this team i think that this team is good enough to win the division i think that this team is good enough to make some noise the first round maybe second round maybe make it all the way to the asc championship but i don't think when you pair them up against some other teams in the AFC, I don't know, especially when we talk about the quarterback play in. If they do make it to the AFC, how what changes, if any, has their offensive line gone through? I just, I I don't, it's, it's hard for me to see. It's hard for me to see. This team making it to a Super Bowl when we talk when we compare the Aaron Rodgers that we see now compared to other other quarterbacks. Not to mention this, is, it, they have a tough regular season. You have the Bills, the Cowboys, the Chiefs, the Broncos, the Eagles, the Chargers, the my the Dolphins. Like all those are are the the Browns. All those have competent quarterbacks. Compet or uh, above average quarterbacks, outside of maybe Dak Prescott. So, I do think that this team, the the Jets, are good enough to win the division. I do think that they they will win the division. I believe. Let me say this: the last thing I'll say about this team, the the ceiling with this team is, of course, the Super Bowl. The floor of this team is not even making the playoffs. And when you look at that that record, I mean, when you look at that schedule, they, I think that the reality of this Jets, it's closer to the floor than it is the ceiling. I think that they'll be good. But there are a bunch of question marks that I have that a lot of people are overlooking because they have Aaron Rodgers and because they finally have a competent quarterback that, with with a team that is good. So, I think that this is going to be the loudest team. And, and and I don't mean that in a bad way. I think that this is going to be the most interesting team this year because of the expectations that a lot of people and probably the, what the, the expectations they're putting on themselves. But I am I am very interested to see just how this Jets team looks. Speaking of Expectations And speaking of floor versus Or floor versus ceiling Let's move on to the bills And Kind of like We talked about With um, When we talk about Windows super, Super Bowl windows A lot of times that people forget that windows close and while yes, there are some teams and some players that have a championship window longer than others, eventually windows close and we've seen it. Hell, we saw Tom Brady's window, Super Bowl window close. And while, yes, it was (laughs) later than most people's careers, it does close. And I'm not saying it's closed. But I am starting to question if the Buffalo Bills Super Bowl window has closed. Now, I'm not saying that. This Buffalo Bill team is bad. This team looks very similar to the team that they had last year and the team that they had the year before that made it to, you know, had one of the greatest playoff games in recent memory against the Chiefs. But there comes a certain point where, Expectations have to change and expectations have to damper for some players or some teams. Year after every year, for probably since Josh Allen's second or third year, we've been saying that this team, the Bills, is a Super Bowl caliber team. And every single year, something happens to just dash our expectations and they ultimately don't live up to it. Is this team good? Yes. You have of course Josh Allen, you have Stefan Diggs who I consider one of the better um or one of the best wide receivers in the in the league. You have a young Young running back and James Cook, who was the brother of Dalvin Cook. You have uh, Kincaid that you got from the draft. You have Dawson Knox. You have Gabe Davis. You also have uh, um, Tridarius White. This team is good. Shaq Lawson. But I don't know how many times Ed Oliver, I don't know how many times we can go into a season and saying that this team is a Super Bowl caliber team. And not even make it to a super not even make it to a conference championship. At the end of the day, these players are getting older. This is Josh Allen's second year removed from Brian Dayball. He didn't look good his first year. Led the league in interceptions. I'm looking I'm looking at this team, right? And you have Leonard Floyd. You have you have pieces, man. Jordan Phillips. <sighs> I just don't – I'll say this, man. This team also had a very loud offseason. When you talk about the seemingly seemingly, um, bad relationship between Stephon Diggs and Sean McDermott uh and and just that just that whole situation and on top of that there there also comes noise when you continuously don't meet expectations and don't get me wrong man everyone around them outside of maybe one team is getting better I just don't know how long that we – this window is going to be open. I know that Joe Burrow said that the the Cincinnati Bengals window is open his entire career. (laughs) And trust me, man, I love the confidence, I do. And a lot of people can say the same thing for Josh Allen. But – and this this team has – arguably the best safety duo in Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer Jordan Poyer uh, it, this team has pieces man my thing is how long are these pieces going to be you know how long are these pieces going to be cornerstone-type pieces? And... Like, Vaughn Miller's not getting any younger. I'm just... I don't know, man. I'm just... on top of that like i said the jets are now now have gotten better we'll talk about the the dolphins in a second and we'll talk about the the patriots but both of those teams you can argue have gotten better do i think that Josh Allen is still one of the better quarterbacks in the league of course and of course we'll have to see if last year and in his interception rate was more of an outlier season, or was it is it back to the Josh Allen that we know? Because remember, Josh Allen the first year or two was a turnover machine. But there's a trend. No. There's a precedent that's been set. That usually if you have a loud off season. If your offseason season is filled with turmoil, if your off season is filled with, with just a bunch of things that don't produce positivity to your team, usually those teams don't win. And while yes, you can really only attribute what's what what went on with uh, Stefan Diggs and Doug or Sean Ch- D- McDermott as like one isolated thing, it, it permeates throughout the whole, I think that Stefan Diggs frustration is not just, I'm not just going to single out Stefan Diggs. I think that his frustration is a, is a bigger point that there's more players frustrated. It's just because he has the label of a diva wide receiver, which I don't, I just think he, Maybe the way that he goes about things, I would do differently. But I understand that Stephon Diggs is considered one of the best wide receivers in the league, and he wants to win. So I all, I understand, you know, the frustration. I think that the frustration he has is mm-hmm. is <laughs> duplicated throughout the majority of the team. But, of course, Stephon Diggs is going because, again— this team, year after year, this team is considered one of the best teams in football. And year after year, this team is considered one of those teams that should be in contention for a Super Bowl. And all those expectations breed nothing but disappointment. And don't get me wrong, man. These players expect the same thing. I told you, players go into seasons different. Well. Most of the players go into the season the same way, and by week two, three, maybe even four, your expectations usually change. We've heard that. We've heard that from multiple players, multiple players on championship-caliber teams and players not on championship-caliber teams. You can tell by week four or five what type of team you're going to have is your team a Super Bowl caliber team? Is it a wild card caliber team? Is it a high lottery pick team or not lottery, a high draft pick team? You can tell very early. And for years now, this Bills team has been a t- Super Bowl caliber team. They just haven't they haven't gotten there. And I know the uh, the frustration also has to come from the fact that Sean McDermott in multiple situations has come up small, whether that's uh, his lack of play design, especially when we talk about the run game, or the lack of focus on the run game outside of Josh Allen. Devin Singletary has been their number one running back for the longest. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to disrespect Devin Devin Singletary, but when we talk about some of the better running backs in the league, Devin Singletary's name does not come up. Now it could be different with James Cook, but you never know. You have to scheme up good or scheme up plays and running plays. Like the, I don't know how many times we look up and Josh Allen has thrown fifty or sixty times in a game, or in and ran. 20 to 30 times don't get me wrong i I understand that josh allen is an incredible runner of the football and when we talk about his speed and size he's one of the better mobile quarterbacks in the league but that gets to a point where it's just like it's 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 predictable and when you have a predictable offense it doesn't matter who Is at the helm of who is at the quarterback position? Who's at the wide receiver position? If you know what the Bills are going to do, it's easy to scheme against. And the complaint that we've heard a lot from Sean McDermott is he does not make adjustments. So I think that the Jets and the Bills are clearly the two. Not going to say clearly, but because of their quarterback positions, should be the best two teams in this division. And I have to question how many years or how many seasons are we going to look up and say that this Bills team is a Super Bowl caliber team? And then when we get to the end of the year, those expectations fall very short. And don't get me wrong, man, there wasn't many changes made by the Bills this offseason. When you see how many changes that the Jets have went through or how, how many changes the, the Dolphins went through, there hasn't been many changes with this Bills team. So what you're, what you're essentially saying is you're going to try to run it back. But that's, that's always been my thing. It's like this team lost to the Cincinnati Bengals at home last year, I think in the first or second round. What are you running back? I, am not trying to be hard on the Bills, but I'm just being, I'm just being honest. I don't know how many times you can say this is a Super Bowl caliber team and they don't make the Super Bowl, or they don't even make it close to the Super Bowl. Again, the greatest game that we saw Patrick Mahomes and and Josh Allen play that was not the conference championship. Or was it? No, it wasn't. Because Patrick Mahomes then went on to lose to Joe Burrow. And Joe Burrow and the Cincinnati Bengals went to the Super Bowl. So you can have all these great players or all these good players. Shadavious White is one of the best cornerbacks in the league. Like I said, Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer are arguably the two best or the best safety tandem in the league Von Miller is when you know he's one of the better or he's one of the best linebackers in the league Josh Allen one of the best quarterbacks in the league Stephon Diggs one of the best running back or wide receivers in the league Ed Oliver one of the best defensive players in the league However, none of that is, none of that has has birthed anything outside of failed expectations. So, we'll see, man. Because don't get me wrong, this team is definitely a Super Bowl caliber team. But like I just said, we say that almost yearly this point so to me the Dolphins is a very interesting story and actually it's a very quick story to me the Dolphins is a clear-cut Super Bowl caliber roster and the success of this team is solely based on Tua Tagovailoa. and I'm not saying I'm not saying it as far as talent wise I'm saying as far as health we talked about Brock Purdy and the 49ers and for years we've said that the 49ers success is predicated that the, the as good as the team is it gets you to it can get you to a certain point but it can't get you over that hump because of the quarterback play and the the dolphins are looking eerily similar to those 49ers teams now whoa 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 I'm not talking about defensively what i'm saying is the forty nine, the not the the Dolphins, you can argue has one of the best rosters in football. Trayon Armstead, you have Jalen Ramsey who did hurt himself and he's going to be on IR till halfway through the season. Robbie Chosen, formerly known as Robbie Anderson, Bradley Chubb. This. This team is one of the better teams in football. Dan Freeney. Miles Gaskin. Isaiah Higgins. Oh, he's a rookie, but Isaiah Higgins. Tight end. Tyreek Hill. Jalen Waddle, Xavier Howard. Xavier, I'm sorry. Xavier Howard. This team is good, man. And Raheem Morset, or Morse Mors. Raheem, <laughs> I'm sorry, bro, I apologize, I definitely messed your name up, Raheem Morset, Moistert. Again, you can argue that this team is one of the best teams in football. But we can, one thing that's inarguable is what we saw last year. And what we saw last year is a player in Tua Tagovailoa that got concussed two to three times in a month. Mind you, there are some types of concussions that if you get concussed, you're out for the year. We saw that um, the Jordan Reed, who was forced to retire because he just kept getting hurt and he kept getting concussions. Jordan Reed was considered one of the better, if not yet yeah, one of the best tight ends in football when healthy, but because he continuously got concussions, he was out of there. He was forced to retire early. So there are there are t- concussions that are so bad and so severe that you're out for the season. Now I'm not saying obviously that Tua Tagovailoa didn't suffer those type of concussions, but what I'm saying is we should never see someone get concussed two to three times in one month to the point where you lose control of your your body movements. Where you're you're falling, you can't get up, or you're woozy, or you're falling after you get up, or like I said, you have no control over your motor 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 functions in your hands or your body to the point where in, even in this podcast, I was saying, yo, maybe we should maybe Tua needs to reevaluate his 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 career. Because at the end of the day, football, sports in general is just a game. I understand that it makes a lot of money. You know, playing basketball, playing football, playing any professional sport makes a lot of money. And I understand that a lot of people have families to feed. I get that. But Tua has made a good amount of money in his career already, and it gets to a point where you suffer three concussions. Now, don't get me. And this is also coupled with Tua has suffered, has been, for lack of a better term, injury prone since since college. So it gets to a point where you have to really consider your 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 life, and if is this something that is sustainable. But Tua is in good spirits. So it looks like he's going to start Week One. Obviously, he's 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 healthy, and the question is: I don't, I don't have much um, questions about this team. When I mean this team, I mean the Dolphins. The biggest and really only question that I have is with Jalen Ramsey. I mean, no, with Tua Tagovailoa and his health. I, I think that we've seen flashes of Tua look like the Tua that was drafted mighty high in the draft. I mean, we can all go back to the game where they were down, what, 21 points in the in the going to the fourth quarter against the Ravens and they ultimately won. And I think Tua has shed the whole I can you know, the the biggest indictment to Tua when healthy is, of course, he can't throw the deep ball. But we've seen we saw a majority of last year that that is obviously not true. I think this team is one of the better teams in football. And I think this team can shock a lot of people because nobody's really, especially when we talk about the AFC East and, and all the moves that the Jets made and, of course, the Bills, nobody's really talking about how good this uh, this Dolphins team can be. But, of course, it's really only predicated on how good or how healthy too it can be. So, I think that, and, and also I, it's 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 health as well. Because and also I do want to see how, um, how they fare without Jalen Jalen Ramsey. That was another in one of the bigger uh. One of the bigger acquisitions this offseason, of course, the Dolphins getting Jalen Ramsey from the Rams. Now, of course, Jalen Ramsey it looks like he's gonna be out until at the early or at the earliest December. And what this team looks like at that point. But I have no que- I have no question that this is one of the better rosters in football. And one of the best rosters in football. The question only comes as how how can, how can, will Tua look? And will injuries ultimately prevent this team from making noise? Not only in the AFC, but the AFC East. Or not only in the AFC East, but the AFC in general. Because the ceiling, kind of, we talked about it, ceiling and floors. To me, the ceiling for this team is the Super Bowl. I think with the roster, with the defense, um, with the connection that Tua Tagovailoa and his wide receivers, Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill, have, the ceiling is definitely Super Bowl. But we also know that I think the floor is Tua not finishing the season due to injury again. So we'll see. I'm starting to compare or compare, compare the, the – how do I say? Last, last episode, I talked about the Titans, and I talked about how the script or the, the outline for the Titans hasn't changed for the last few years. And how it's, – it's, it's, it's almost insanity to expect – something different from the Titans seeing as though nothing has really changed by the Titans. So expecting things differently, but doing, but doing the same outcome or doing the same thing, expecting a different outcome. I'm starting to feel that way for the new England Patriots. I understand that last year, a lot of people can want to throw out last year because they were riddled with injury or they had a couple major injuries and on top of that they did not have an offensive coordinator and like i said before it's a, it's almost impossible in the NFL to overcome overcome bad bad coaching because coaching just matters or coaching is just that much or that important for every skills position especially the offensive coordinator and when you didn't when you went into the season especially with Bill Belichick being a defensive minded coach you go into the season not have you think that you're you're good enough to run the play or you call the plays because you're just the great Bill Belichick no, <laughs> and on on t- and on top of that, you had a uh, Bill O'Brien who, for some reason, is was the offensive coordinator. He has a defensive minded. He, he he's not a he's not right. He's not a defensive coach. So, or not offensive coach. Let me say that. So I can see how last year was a, a, a big situation or a lose-lose situation that they pretty much put themselves in because it's like you have a young quarterback and you don't have an offensive coordinator. that And your, your coach is a defensive-minded coach. I don't see how you expect to win in that situation. But... This is a new year But trust me man I don't I don't I don't have much Again it goes back to What we talked about With the With the Titans What What's different about this team That That hasn't been talked about That hasn't been discussed Or That hasn't been read, You know That hasn't been Outside of Them having an offensive coordinator now What is different about this team and what is what is usually said about this team? Their defense is really good. Well, this year they have a very good defense. Obviously, Bill Belichick is one of the best coaches in football. Bill Belichick will always be one of the best coaches in football, especially when we talk about defense. But outside of that, uh, there's not much to... I know they just got Ezekiel Elliott, and I I don't think that Ezekiel Elliott... I'm looking at Ezekiel Elliott in the lens of the last time I saw him, he didn't look the greatest. And it's like, could that just be a change of scenery? Maybe. I don't know. But he didn't look that good. And there's a reason why he's not on the Cowboys anymore. But he, he he could be... If he is the Ezekiel Elliott of old, which I don't think he is, but if he is... That could be that could definitely be something. He, you could he can be considered one of the best running backs in the division between him and Dalvin Cook maybe or Brees Hall maybe. But I look at this team, man. Um, Kendrick Bourne, he was a good wide receiver, but we'll talk about another. Trent Brown, offensive lineman. Uh Trey Flowers. Nick Folk's on this team? Oh shoot. Uh Mike Esecki is a pretty good tight end that played for the Dolphins for a while. Uh Kevin Harris looked really good. Uh Names are starting to get skinnier. Matthew Judon, who was in consideration for defensive player of the year last year, um, Jalen Mills, who's a really good defensive back, Whew. Devontae Parker. He's a pretty good. He's a, he's a pretty good uh, wide receiver. Not the best, obviously. He's kind of bounced around, but he's he's pretty good. Jabril Peppers, a lot of people are saying that he's in the best position playing a defensive player, playing, you know. (laughs) Uh, Matthew Slater, who's a pretty good wide receiver. They have Juju Smith-Schuster now. Uh, Yeah, man, I'm looking at this team, bro. Uh, To me... I have to talk about, I have to talk about the, the. I'm not going to say elephant in the room. But I'm going to be, I'm going to have a very honest conversation with you guys about Mac Jones. I understand that when you look at Mac Jones, he has the same build, he has the same body type. Um, as a typical quarterback. And don't get me wrong, Mac Jones looked incredible at Alabama, one of, one of Alabama's greatest coach or quarterbacks that the, the school has ever seen. And I understand the, like I said, fit matters and, and and where you go matters. And I do think that it was a disservice to Mac Jones last year playing a whole season without an offensive coordinator or a competent offensive person calling plays for you. And so this is year three of Mac Jones and I just, I think that he is by far the worst quarterback in this division. And I think that this team is by far, when you look at roster, by far the worst team in this division. I would be f- extremely shocked if this team makes any noise in the playoffs. If, if this team even makes the playoffs. Again, what I, what I believe is a lot of people are going off of name. You're going off of Bill Belichick. You're going off of New England Patriots, and we know the recent history that the Patriots have with Tom Brady in this in this in 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 Bill Belichick. But this ain't Tom Brady, and this ain't those those Patriots. I don't think the Patriots are that good. To be honest with you, there's no way in heaven or hell that I'm going to say that. You know, was, you know, it was bad when. There was legit quarterback battle between Mac Jones and Bailey Zapp. I don't expect much from this team. At all. I don't. I think when we talk about units, I think they have one of the worst outside of maybe offensive line, they have one of the worst units at every position. The quarterback quarterback position, probably worse than the division. Uh, running back, probably worse. Actually, definitely worse than the division. Uh, the only thing that I think they have probably best in the division is coaching. Or I'm sorry, is Bill Belichick by name. Because the last few years, Bill Belichick hasn't looked that good. To be honest with you, so I don't, ex- I don't, I don't expect much success from this team. Could be completely honest. And when when you look, if we're if we're ranking the the team from the division, I think it's the Jets, Bills, are solely because of quarterback, the Dolphins and. A wide margin. Then you get to the 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 Patriots. I honestly think the Patriots be one of the worst teams in football this year. I think. I just don't. I don't have that much faith in Mac Jones. That's that's just. I don't think Mac Jones is the guy to get it done. And on top of all that, you don't have much to work with around you. So. We'll see. Like I said last um, last episode, I talked about the AFC South, and of course, as we know, in the AFC South you have the Indianapolis Colts, and I talked about Anthony Richardson and the season and the 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 ceiling that the Colts have is pretty much predicated on Anthony Edwards. And the Colts have also been in the news uh, recently for the, you know, the back and forth between Jim Ursay, who was the owner, and uh, your star player in Jonathan Taylor. And we also know that the running back positions and a lot of the top tier running backs have been fighting for. For better pay for the position, this entire all it's, that fight has been going on for multiple for years now, but it it's starting to it's been revving up a lot more this off season, and even to the point where Jim Ursay has said some very head scratching things and very eye opening things about the way owners value that position. And that, is, of course, is the running back position. Those comments, again, those comments pretty much sent Jonathan Taylor into a feeling of, I want to be, I don't want to play here anymore. I want to be traded. Well, the recent news, of course, is uh, Jim Ursay and the Colts have allowed Jonathan Taylor to seek a trade. Let me first start this by saying that all of this could have been prevented. If Jim Merce just didn't talk, this could have been prevented. You didn't hear any rumblings of dysfunction and or any rumblings of of frustration between Jonathan Taylor and Jim Mercy. We haven't heard that until this offseason. And there's no question that Jonathan Taylor is considered one of the best running backs in football. If not the best running back. I mean, just a, just two or three years ago, he was in contention for MVP. But I think that this is a very important moment for Jonathan Taylor and the running back position as a whole. I think that this is the time. This is the first step that they can do, that the running back position can do, to get the pay that or get close to the pay that they're looking for. I think say I thought Saquon Barkley was going to be one of them, but when looking at the deal, he got not at all. And it even looks like Josh Jacobs is going to end his holdout. Don't ex- you know? Now. Do I think that it's going to happen? Do I think that the running backs are going to get the money that they think they deserve? No. Because Jim Ursay spoke for a lot of owners in how they really view and feel about running backs. But I will say this. This is a big moment for running backs. Jonathan Taylor has the opportunity to set the market and, and go out and get the deal that he wants now again I don't know if that's going to happen but that's just the opportunity that's presented in front of him and it always starts with, it starts with one we talk about markets you talk about the quarterback market, running back market, wide receiver market the, the market is, is usually set by the last person and Jonathan Taylor has the opportunity to go out and find a team that can that can reset the market for the right running back. And that's what they've drastically been wanting. Now, again, I do think that the owners kind of work together when we talk about the NFL. and I don't think that it's really going to happen. I do think that Jonathan Taylor is going to be traded. I just don't think that they're, you're going to be traded for the compensation that he thinks he deserves or gets the deal. Because this is very... This situation is a very fascinating situation, and I say it's a fascinating situation because Jonathan Taylor's next team isn't just trade, like, you're trading for him, and Jonathan Taylor's expecting to be traded and to get a new contract, so it's definitely interesting. I'm I'm interested to see how this is going to play out, but to me you when you look at it through the Indianapolis Colts side it's just unfortunate cuz none of this had to happen none of this had to happen and now when you look i think Jonathan Taylor is going to be out of there i also think it was very strategic st- strategic that the Indianapolis Colts finally allowed him to receive to seek a, requ- uh, seek a trade request what a week and a half, two weeks before the season starts. And especially for a running back, that's very difficult to do. Because most rosters, actually all rosters are pretty much set. Now, I know that the, you make exceptions for star players, like if a, Jonathan Taylor is considered a star player, so if your team wants them, you go home and you feel like you're running back away from winning a Super Bowl, i.e. with the Christian, with what Christian McCaffrey and the 49ers did—that you're going to make the move—and I think that that's going to be kind of the similar deal that you're going to—you're going, to, going to see. You're going to see a team trade for him, and then very quickly you see them get a deal done with that play, like a long-term deal. I think that's what—that's what is Jonathan Taylor is looking for. But this is just unfortunate, man. It's just unfortunate for the Colts. And I'm very interested to see how this ends up or how this turns out for Jonathan Taylor. So who is considered one of the best running backs in the league. Let's move forward. I do want to say congratulations to Shakiri Richardson and uh Noah Lyles for both for winning gold in the world championship for the 100 meters. I don't remember the last time both a male and a in uh, a in a woman from the United States won gold the same year in the same event. Um and it's been very documented what uh Shakira Richardson has gone through when we talk about, you know, her mother, when we talk about the last or the last times qualifying with the whole weed situation um She's been very, she's been criticized a lot, and I think that people don't understand, I don't understand because I'm not a professional athlete, but I think that a lot of people don't understand that, or it's very hard for a lot of people to separate the athlete from the person, you know, and people don't understand that not all athletes are, are able to, to be picture perfect all the time. And some athletes cope different ways. And and I'm not speaking on Shakira Richardson because I don't know her. I just know her from what she does, which is run and run pretty fast. And I know that, you know, last time we saw her on this stage, I think she finished damn near last. So to finish damn near last, to then come back and have what, pretty much the fastest time in the world now because when you win the 100 meter you pretty much have the the current fastest time and she ran that jump in 10.65 seconds over Sharika Jackson and Shirley Ann Fisher Price Frazier Price who are both widely considered arguably the fastest people in the world Jamaicans This is Shakira Richardson's moment. Um, I know that, again, people, news outlets, they have a problem separating the person from the, the athlete. And I think that, which I guess is media outlets job, but I feel like sometimes you're overcritical with people and they throw people away too fast. Meaning, oh, she she finished damn near last the last time in this competition. Uh, nah, we're we're and not to mention she's very outspoken. She's young, she's very uh, bold in her stances. She's very confident in her her abilities and her skills. So we're not go we don't like that. We like, or people 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 mistake confidence for cocky and people think that humble means you have to be quiet and I I do think that there are things that Shakira Richardson probably didn't need to say but she said it is what it is that's her opinion but I'm not taking away from her moment this is her moment this is Noah Lyles moment congratulations to both of them for winning for winning the 100 meter again I don't remember the last time uh two Americans won that Competition, both men and women's. so shouts out to Noah allows and shouts out to Shakari Richardson Shakari Richardson It's definitely her her moment you know, and she deserves all the praise and all the accolades I do and I do appreciate how she kind of for lack of a better term kept receipts and she you know when when you've been chastised and and criticized as much as she has been I do appreciate that um, now that she's won she's not forgetting like I remember what y'all said bro and shouts out to her again shouts out to her so also want to say shouts out to Sean O'Malley oh my gosh Sean O'Malley uh, beat Al Jermaine Sterling by TKO, KO, in the second round in UFC 292. I know Al Sterling. I think he was one of the longest uh, title defense holders in UFC history. Uh, and I know Sean O'Malley. You see, a lot of people are kind of comparing him to... Conor McGregor, not in the sense of how Conor McGregor is now, but in the sense of the the confidence and how he carries himself and the flamboyantness, and just Sean O'Malley is a very good fighter. And what I will say is, I think that the UFC has found their next promotable star. You know, with the colored hair and and the tattoos, and how he's able to. I uh, do. I think that he's one of the best fighters in UFC, uh, at least the bantamweight division, seeing though he's the bantamweight title holder, yes. And I think that with his personality and with being able to promote him, I think that he's, he's primed to be in, in a lot of big fights. Shouts out to Aldermaine Sterling. It, again, <laughs> he, it, it was a good fight until it wasn't, you know, and he got knocked out second round. Uh, and Sean O'Malley showed the world how good he can be on that stage. Uh, like I said, now he is the UFC Bantaway title holder. Shouts out to him, man. Also, again, this is the shout-out uh, part portion of the show. I want to shout-out Coco Golf and Novak Djokovic for winning... The um, winning the Western and Southern Open, uh, Coco Jones. I think she beat her first, first number one ranked player in the world. She beat them, and then she went on to, of course, win the the open. And she won over Carolina Muchava. I I'm sure I messed your name up. I completely apologize. And she beat Iga swetic who was the number one player i know i messed your name up as well i apologize but shout out to coco golf i think it's what i enjoy the most about seeing this coco golf rise is we're seeing the the highs and lows of it and i'm not gonna say that she's gonna be as dominant as a serena williams or venus williams I, i think they came on the scene and just dominated um from like day one now of course we know the the story and the rise of it and everything so i'm not gonna compare coco golf to to serena or venus but what i will say is i enjoy seeing the ups and downs of her career and i enjoy seeing where she came from to where she is she's she's very i think she's like 19 or 20 maybe 20 19 and it's and it's i love to see the maturation i love to see how she is growing in her sport and how she is becoming one of the best players in her in her, in tennis, and to do this at 19 to be the number one overall or number one player in the world at 19 is 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 incredible. I know that sometimes we get and it goes back to uh, it goes back to Shakira Richardson. I know that we're kind of overly overly critical of people of athletes and i know that when you know coco golf when she gets close to winning an open and she ultimately loses people like oh she's trash or this is all she can get to not 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 really putting it taking into consideration she's 19 you know uh but i'm excited i'm excited to see her career and i'm excited to see just how good she it turns out and how and, and and I'm excited to see just the maturation and just the maturity and the growth of her tennis game. And again, man, shouts out to her for winning the Western and Southern Open. And like I said, shouts out to Novak Djokovic, man. Last time we one we saw him, he lost to Carlos Alcaraz, who is who is the number one overall player. He's also very young, and that was considered one of the better matches that we've ever seen. And wow, no, it wasn't better than that one, the match, this match against, uh, Carlos Alcazar or Alcazar was incredible. I think it lasted like three hours and 48 minutes. Uh, it was great. And I'm, I, I don't know. I'm excited to see again, man, we're in a different age of, of, of tennis, I'm excited to see this potential rival that we could see from Carlos and uh, Novak Djokovic Carlos. I think he's like 20 or 19 or 20 as well. And being the number one overall player is in, is crazy to me. Um, how old is this guy? He is 20 being the number one player at 20 is crazy. And pushing someone like Novak Djokovic to the brink and ultimately beating them, the, the match or the, matchup before or the the yeah the matchup before is is crazy and Novak Djokovic even though people may not like his uh uh, like his personality he is considered one of the best tennis players to ever play and it didn't disappoint again them beating or he beat Carlos Alcazar To win the Western and Southern Open, and it was one of the best matches that you could watch. So, shouts out to Coco Golf, and shouts out to Novak Djokovic. I also want to say shouts out to um, Lionel Messi and Inter Miami uh, for winning the League Cup. That's <laughs> if you ever if you ever question how good Nicole, uh, Lionel Messi is. Look at this! Look at this season, or or look at the what seven games that he's played last year. Inter Miami was the worst team in uh, MLS football, or yeah MLS. This year, they win the they win the league cup, and Lionel Messi has only been there for what seven games, and has like ten goals. We knew we knew that there is a. It's no secret, no question, that there is a talent gap between the Euros and MLS. And MLS is the far superior or far inferior league when we talk about compared to Euros. And we also knew that Lionel Messi is leaps and bounds the best player in MLS right now. And... You can argue. I don't think it's an argument at this point, but you can argue that he is the greatest football player ever. And like I said, that shouldn't that shouldn't be argued. He he comes in there seven games, right? He went. He helps enter Miami win the league cup. He also uh, wins the best player and has the most goals. And now he has forty four individual trophies when we talk about the span of his career he has 44 and which is the most in football history again i understand that people want to kind of discredit what's what's going on with leano messi because of how good he is and because of the inferior competition in the mls but at the end of the day you he's 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 i told i talked about this before he's at the point of his career where he's having fun he just does what he wants to do And, you know, he he's gone through who he's need to go, who he needs to go through. He's he's been at the mountaintop at every single place he's been. And shouts out to Lionel Messi, shouts out to uh, Inter Miami for winning the League Cup. Also (laughs) want to say shout out to Spain uh, for winning the Spain Women's National Women's national team for winning. What am I saying? (laughs) Shouts out to Spain for winning the women's women, winning their first women's world cup. Um, Of course, this is the world cup that the United States were trying to three didn't ultimately do it. Uh, Spain won their first women's world cup. And I, and I think that this, this one was so fascinating because we talk about talent gap, and I said when we talked about the FIBA basketball, I said that gone are the days where you can go out and and put anybody on the court, and and Team USA wins. Um, and we even saw that. Shouts out to Team USA for winning. Uh, they beat was it Germany, but Germany was up twelve points in the second half, and Anthony Edwards went crazy, and, and they ultimately won. But like I said, gone are the days where you can just be the best team and or you can just roll the ball out and be the best team on the court just because you have Team USA on your shirt. Well, the same can be said for FIFA, at least the women's side. The women's side, yes, Team USA was probably the, better t- the best team. But as we saw, I think the, the finals had two teams that's never been there. Or I'm not going to say never been there. That's never won. I don't think England women has ever won. And as we're seeing, man, you're seeing women, uh, Spain, England, New Brit- or, uh, Great Britain, you're seeing them, the talent gap is shrinking. And while, yes, you can still argue and you can still say that Team USA is the best, and you may not even be wrong, but what you can't say is the talent gap is is is, is seismic anymore. As we're seeing with the fact of the teams that had something to say about being in, you know, the World Cup and ultimately winning the World Cup, i.e. Spain, their first time making it. So, shouts out to Spain for winning uh, the World Cup. Much, much deserved. And lastly, before we go, uh, we have the unpopular topic of the week. Now, the unpopular topic of the week or day. Day, day, day. <laughs> we have the unpopular topic of the day. Now, the unpopular topic of the day actually comes from a conversation that was sparked on the Gilbert Arenas podcast. Shouts out to Gilbert Arenas. Shouts out to, I think it's called Gil Arena um, podcast. He was having a conversation with Steph Curry. And the converse, and he asked Steph Curry straight up, are you the best point guard ever? And Steph Curry said yes, it, the argument is between him and Magic Johnson. And to me, I completely agree. I completely agree that the conversation for greatest point guard of all time goes comes down to Steph Curry and Magic Johnson. And for the unpopular topic of the day, I wanted to give my opinion on the argument. I wanted to give who I think is the greatest point guard of all time. Now... There is no question, and I'm not going to sit here and say that St- Steph Curry is my favorite player to watch right now. Uh, and Steph Curry has been my favorite player to watch for a while now. And I do agree with the sentiment that he said that the greatest of all time conversation as far as the point guard position does go it it's 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 a conversation between him and magic johnson and i'm going to take i'm i'm completely taking my bias out of it you know i'm trying to I, i'm going to be as unbiased as possible when we talk about when we have this conversation when we talk about overall stats career stats Steph Curry averages 25 points a game Maddie Johnson averages 20 Maddie Johnson averages seven rebounds a game Steph Curry five uh Maddie Johnson 11 assists a game Steph Curry seven Maddie Johnson has two steals a game Steph Curry has two but it's really 1.6 and Maddie Johnson 1.9 uh they both have well Maddie Johnson averaged 0. 0.4 blocks a game Steph Curry averaged 0. 0.2 and Johnson's shot as a career, 52%. Seth Curry is pretty much 48. Seth uh, Curry has a much better three-point percentage at 43 compared to 30. Uh, much better. Well, not much better, but a better free throw percentage at 91. And Magic Johnson's at 85. Effective field goal. Seth Curry is 58. Magic Johnson is 53 or .58, 0.53. Um, Magic Johnson has five championships. Uh, Steph Curry has four. Magic Johnson has nine. NBA first team, Steph Curry has four. Magic Johnson has ten all-NBA selections. Steph Curry has nine. Magic Johnson has three MVPs. Steph Curry has two. Magic Johnson has three. (laughs) Three finals MVPs. Steph Curry has one. And Magic Johnson has 12 all-stars when Steph Curry has nine. Now, obviously, when you look at today's game, that skews a lot of the percentage, especially when we talk about three-point percentage and scoring uh points per game because Steph Curry shoots more. You know, Steph Curry takes four damn near five more field goal attempts a game. <clears throat> I think that there is no argument that Steph Curry is one of the most influential players in basketball history. When you you can just see the the effect that Steph Curry has on basketball. When you go and see, and watch kids play, when you watch AU, when you watch high school, college, and you just see the hell. Even in the NBA, you just see the sheer amount of three pointers have been are taken. Compared to you know when when you compare when he when he first got into the league and where he is now, Steph Curry to me revolutionized the game in a sense of the importance and the willingness to take threes. And I think that and Magic Johnson to his credit is a unicorn. When I say unicorn, we've never seen a player. In fact, I think we've only seen this twice in NBA history: a player, Magic Johnson's height, with the scoring ability, with the assist ability, with the pat, with the, with just the sheer flashiness that Magic Johnson brings. And I think that the only other person that you can compare Magic Johnson, or that can compare it to Magic Johnson, is LeBron James. That's why when we talk about grace of all time, we talk about comparisons. I think a better comparison to LeBron James is, of course, LeBron and Magic Johnson. But to me, even taking my, my fandom out, it's hard for me to to put Steph Curry above Magic Johnson. And I do think it's close. But when, it, when it's close like that, that's when you have to go to accolades. I think that if you're just talking about sheer skill, I think that it's pretty much dead even because there's things that Magic Johnson does that ste- uh, th- let me say this. There's things that Magic Johnson does better than Steph Curry, and there's things that Steph Curry does way better than Magic Johnson. So when we talk about skills, I think that they're dead. They're dead even. And when you're also talking about impact of the game, I think that Steph Curry wins that. But We also are talking about a person in Magic Johnson that we've never seen. And we, I don't think we ever will see a player like that. I think we, we thought Penny Hardaway was going to be that. But of course, when we talk about the height and the, and the offensive ability, but injuries kind of stopped that one. So when it's that close to me, you have to go with, and you have to go with, you know, percentages, you have to go with accomplishments and, while well, yeah Steph Curry averages more points, three point percentage, field goal percentage, uh oh no, free throw percentage and effective field goal percentage. Magic Johnson is better than him at rebounding, assists, steals, blocks, field goal percentage. Um has more championships, has more all NBA select, all NBA first team selections, all NBA selections, MVPs, final MVPs, All Stars. Now, I think that I think that is pretty much a lock that Steph Curry is going to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, so I think that yeah, maybe with more time, maybe if he wins another championship, I don't know. But it's hard for me when we talk about the pantheon of 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 point guards. It's hard for me to put someone like Steph Curry over someone like Magic Johnson right now. I think that maybe if Steph Curry wins another one, or maybe if he doesn't win another one, but we still see the greatness that we see from year like for a couple more years, maybe we can have a or not maybe, but we possibly can have another conversation. But for right now, even though Steph Curry is my favorite player to watch, and even though the Steph Curry is is arguably a top. 10 player ever I think that Magic Johnson is better than Steph Curry and I think that Steph Curry is right now the second best point guard ever could be number one if you disagree let me know Uh, but right now I think that he's the second best I think that he has the opportunity to be the first best maybe if we see maybe two or three more years of you know the, the Steph Curry we saw last year or maybe another ring. I don't know. But I think this magic, I'm picking Magic Johnson as the best point guard of all time right now. So there you have it, man. That has been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I truly, truly, truly appreciate you guys. If you want a Unpopular Podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long sleeve, joggers, link is in the description below. I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Get your Unpopular Podcast merch today. Also, please subscribe to YouTube. I'm trying to get to a thousand subscribers. Anything would help. I think actually I know that I'm less than 100 away. So anything would help. It definitely, definitely means a lot. And if you aren't on YouTube, subscribe to wherever you're listening. Uh, It definitely means a lot that you listen as well uh follow the socials follow instagram follow tiktok i post pretty much daily there i interact with people as well uh so don't forget to follow the socials if you want to communicate with me that's probably the best way uh and yeah man that has been today's episode of the Pop of the podcast i will see you guys on saturday and until next time much love